And good to see you all uh, here today. For those worshiping uh, at home, I'm glad you could join us uh, as well. Let's go ahead and pray as we continue on in our series. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the day, and uh, we thank you for your love and the way that you uh, demonstrate it to us. And I just want to pray that we as a church and we as a people would love others the way we have been loved. Again, thank you for Jesus and his example. It's in his name we pray. Amen. A man uh, was going to the store with his three-year-old daughter, and uh, he was just there to grab a few kind of essentials, milk, bread, eggs, uh, stuff like that. So he decided uh, to take a basket instead of a a shopping cart. And as soon as he did that with his little three-year-old daughter next to him, she immediately said, that is not how mommy does it. And he said, well, the way daddy does it, th- that can be okay too. It's not, not, not a big deal. And they grabbed a few essentials and they were getting ready to go out to the car. And he kind of picked up the grocery bag and picked up his daughter and had the milk in the same hand with the daughter and were, was going to carry it all out in kind of one load. And she immediately kind of piped up again and said, this is not the way mommy does it. And he said, well, I mean, daddy has his ways and, you know, it's, it's okay. Every once in a while, gets to the car and in one kind of motion kind of puts her into the car seat and puts the milk on top of the car, loads the groceries in, and they start driving away and get onto the main street. And all of a sudden, the milk that was on, left on top of the car falls onto the hood of the car, goes into the street and just milk everywhere. And before he can even respond, the little girl in the bag goes, this is not how mommy does it. Um, And we've been in this series uh, called The Summer of Love, and we're going to transition now for two weeks uh, to to close out the series to John. And uh, essentially the point that John is going to make in 1 John 4, if you want to turn your Bibles over to 1 John 4, is he's going to teach us that we need to love uh, the way dad loves. We need to do it dad's way. And uh, we need to love his way. And John, just to give, while you're turning to 1 John 4, um, John was one of the early disciples of Jesus, uh, part of the 12. He was also kind of part of the inner circle that I mentioned a few weeks ago, the inner kind of three uh, that were really close to Jesus. And a lot of people believe that John's relationship with Jesus even um, went one step further and that John and Jesus were actually like best friends. Um, that, that John is the one that Jesus turned to uh, from the cross to take care of his mother. Um, One of the main reasons that people think that John and Jesus were best friends is that John in his writings repeatedly refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. So he also was very humble. Um, He's like, hey, just so you know, I'm I'm the one, all right? You know, there's 12 and there's three, but I'm the guy, all right? And uh, so, so he and Jesus were... We're really, really close. Uh, John, there was an attempt on John's life. Uh, All the other disciples had been martyred. There was an attempt on John's life that kind of failed where they essentially kind of dropped him in hot oil. Um, He survived it. He escaped. He was disfigured. Uh, He escaped, but he was eventually exiled to the island of Patmos uh, to, to serve out the rest of his life where he wrote the book of Revelation. And uh, eventually he ended up being freed from that island. A lot of people think because of old age and church history tells us that uh, he lived well into his 90s and uh, died most likely in Turkey. Uh, So that's kind of the biography of of John. But one of his favorite things to talk about as you read through his books, uh, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, John, the, the, John, uh, the gospel and the revelation. Uh, those are the books that he wrote. One of his favorite topics is love. Uh, he hits on it quite a bit. And I, I think it just was everything that he saw, you know, that you think about living into his nineties, uh, he saw the teaching Jesus teach. 
He saw the miracles of Jesus. He saw the death, the burial, and the resurrection. He saw the Holy Spirit come and the start of the church. This guy saw a lot. And after everything uh, that he saw, it was his determination that the thing the church really needed to remember, not above everything else, in addition to everything else, but one of the things the church needs to remember is love. And I would say that we are living in a time where there is a lot of stuff going on right now. There's an election coming up. There's a debate about a pandemic and masks and all sort of stuff. There's, we're really politically divided from one another. And I would say we are living in a time where I would exhort the church in the same way. We need to remember love, right? Political victories are one thing. Winning an argument is one thing, but let's not lose sight of what is most important. And what is most important is our love for God and our love for each other. All right, so here's what he says. First John four, verse seven. He's going to teach us about love. We're just going to walk through this a verse or two at a time, if you're, if you're cool with that. If you're not cool with that, I don't know what to tell you. That's what we're going to do, all right? I'm not changing my notes on the fly. So, all right, uh, 1 John 4, 7. shouldn't have even asked you. All right, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And so the first point that John wants to make to us is when it comes to God's love and when it comes to our love for each other, that we need to understand this love is transmitted. I really hesitated to use this word because we're in a pandemic, um, but it is, it's the best word. So I decided to use it, but we have been in a conversation for four or five months now about how COVID is transmitted and, and how it's passed and the precautions we should take to keep it from spreading. And John wants to make this point that love is an attribute that is transmitted and it is transmitted from God to us. So God is love and God gives his children this wonderful, beautiful virus called love, right? Uh, if we can draw a parallel to what we're, we're, we're going right now, that, that love is transmitted and it's transmitted from God to us. Now you think about, we understand this as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and that whole thing. Think about, like when you think about your children in particular, think about some of the things that you transmitted to your children. Right? You, might, you might say that, yeah, I gave to my children my sense of humor. Now, others in the family might disagree, but that, that you, you gave them the sense of humor. Your faith, you transmitted that to them. Your, your work ethic. Sometimes you see those things in kids. And one of the great debates in kind of the parenting world is when it comes to kids, are the, is it nature or is it nurture? Right? So in other words, do kids come out pre-wired? right? To act a certain way, to love certain things. Does God just kind of make a kid a, a certain way? Or is it nurture that kids are a blank slate and they come to certain parents, they come to certain grandparents and they nurture their gifts, they nurture their abilities. Uh, and, and it's parenting and grandparenting and the community that makes a kid who they are. Is it nature or is it nurture? Well, when it comes to love, John's point is that it's both. Notice the points that he makes. He says, we are born of God. This is nature, that God has wired us from our physical birth, I believe, but also from our spiritual birth when we express faith in him. God has wired us for love, right? We are born with that desire and that ability. Now, you can reject your nature, People do it all the time. You are born to love. Somebody should write a music song that, that goes like that. Born to love, right? You are born to love. You can reject that in the name of political victory. 
You can reject that in the name of being right. You can reject that to make a point. You can reject your nature, but make no mistake about it, God created you and wired you to love. I think this is one of the reasons that we love babies so much. Before uh, they develop personality and words and the ability to talk back and disobey, right? We, we love babies because they just exude love. They exude God's love for you and uh, they, 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 they exude just how they love you. They, they exude love. Now, it's possible it's gas. Of course it's possible it's gas, but I think it's love, right? They, they just exude this and God, I believe God has wired us to love each other. It's in our nature. But in addition, John says, we also know God. This is nurture. That there is an ongoing relationship with God that we are called on to nurture and to grow. And through that nurturing relationship, he transmits his love to us. And so as you grow in your relationship with Jesus, as you grow in your relationship to God, as you nurture that relationship, your love for God and your love for others begins to grow. Here's how Paul said it. He says, and we all... Uh, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed, transmitted into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. This describes that process. As we contemplate God's glory, as we uh, nurture our relationship with God, he begins to transform us into the likeness of his son who was and is and will always be love. And so as we look more like Jesus, we end up looking more and more like love. So anyone that has kids at all, they know they come hardwired with certain personality traits, giftings, and abilities. My son, Sam, uh, Cheryl and I were talking about this the other day because today's his birthday, but we, we don't remember like teaching him how to read. It was just kind of hardwired into him to be able to do that. And we never had to sit down with him and it was never a struggle that we had to go through. He, he just kind of knew how to read. Uh, my daughter, Lila, like we don't, we've never had to really teach her and train her to say please and thank you. That, that's a gifting and an ability that she came kind of pre-wired with. Somebody that was in first service, they were actually at the door when I went to pick up Sherilyn and the kids and they were at the door and they walked in, Lila walked in all, you know, kind of, you know, showing off her dress or whatever. And, and the, lady was, the, the lady from our church was like, man, your shoes are really nice. And she was like, thank you. And they're like, your dad just told, your dad just talked about that. Yeah. We didn't teach her to do that. She just kind of came wired up that way. But we all know, um, we all know that nurture in a family is important. You want, you want to nurture your kids' gifts. You want to nurture their abilities. You, you want to nurture their personality. And that's important too. So when it comes to parenting, is it nature or nurture? And the answer is yes. Right? The answer is, the answer is both. When it comes to love, is it nature or nurture? The answer is yes. You come born to love. But your relationship with God needs to be nurtured. And it is possible for you to nurture anger. People do it all the time. You can nurture anger. You can nurture angst. You can nurture hostility and, and you will end up rejecting your nature and you will choose a different path than love. But if you nurture love, if you nurture your relationship with God, he will grow in you love, verse nine. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So love is transmitted. Love is also demonstrated, 
right? When I, when I think about God's love, I think about it in the context of two stories. The first is the creation story. You know, we talked about this before, but why did God, uh, talked about it in the Genesis series, why did God create the heavens and the earth? Was he lonely? No, God doesn't get lonely. He's got the Trinity, right? Was God bored? He's like, I need something to play with. You know, I'm going to make the world, right? No, no, God doesn't get bored, right? Was there something missing inside of God that just needed to be fulfilled by creation? No, he is self-fulfilling. God, God is. God created the heavens and the earth because he is by nature love. And that's how he demonstrates his love through creation. The second story is the one John references, that he sent his son, God did, he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for his sins, for our sins. I love that word atonement because it means exactly the way it sounds, at one minute. So God saw us in our sins and he saw how our sins were separating us from him and he sent his son to bring oneness, to bring us back to the father so that we could be forgiven and have the relationship with God uh, that we were created to have. And sometimes we think faith is all about how I love God. And listen, that's important. It's one of the two greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and, and strength. We'll talk about that later. It's important. But sometimes we forget that a core part of the message of Christianity is God's love for us. That, that we need to focus on and nurture and remember that he has loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Um, our love is always gonna be messy. Our love for God will always be messy because we're sinful. It'll always, it'll always, be, it'll always be messy, uh, but we, we need to remember that his love is perfect. And so every single Sunday here, at some point in the message, even if it's a little bit clunky, I work it into the message to remind you of God's love for you to remind you of the atoning sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross so that your sins could be forgiven. It's that important that we remember. And then we kind of double down on it because at communion time, we remember it too. And so we just want to every Sunday remember, he loves us, he loves us, he loves us. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So it's this love of God, it's transmitted, it's demonstrated, and then this love is repeated. All right, kids, when you have kids at a certain age, they can drive you nuts with the question why, can't they? Right, it's like why, 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 why? The, the, the honest answer for, for all of this is that why is important. And about a billion times a day, you answer the question why. When you get in the, the shower in the morning and, and you clean up before you leave, you're answering the question why shower? So I don't stink up the joint, that's why shower, right? When, when you go to work, you're answering the question, why? Why work? I enjoy the work or I need the money or whatever, whatever the answer to that um, question, question is. When you eat breakfast, you're answering the question, why breakfast? So I have the energy uh, to make it through the day and don't absolutely uh, lose my cool with someone, right? Um, you're, you're answering the question, why, a billion times a day. And we see in this text an answer to the question, why love? And it's super simple. This is why, since God loved us, we love one another. This love that is transmitted, this love that is demonstrated is now called to be repeated. And listen, anger and animosity and hatred, it is easily repeated. 
And it often is by our culture. You go, you go on Facebook, social, whatever social media site you use, and you see a post that starts out angry, it is probably going to get increasingly angry as the comments go on. Have you ever noticed that before? So, so, so anger is repeated, but this text is reminding us, what if followers of Jesus, what if we took our ball and went home on this? And we said, I, I'm not going to perpetuate and repeat anger. I'm not going to perpetuate hostility. I'm not going to perpetuate name-calling. I'm not going to rinse and repeat on everything our culture is doing right now. Instead, I am going to repeat love again and again and again. And if every follower of Jesus did it, this world would look different because love is repeated too. When we see God's love for us and we repeat it to others, they repeat it to others who repeat it to others who repeat it to others. And all of a sudden, a small group of people, hopefully a large group of people when it comes to followers of Jesus, are repeating what has been demonstrated to them again and again and again, and a community and a world is changed. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us uh, his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I love the imagery of this text because often we think about how God lives in us. The text talks about that how God lives in us uh, through the Holy Spirit. This, when you put your faith in Jesus, he gives you the Holy Spirit who changes you and transforms you into the likeness of Jesus. But this text uses a phrase that is not used very often in the rest of the New Testament. And here's the phrase, we live in God. When we cross the line of faith, we start living in his house. We live in God with his rules, his presence, and his, and his, and his spirit. Here's why this is so important. The house that you grew up in or the people that you grew up around, wherever you kind of grew up, it probably had a, a significant impact uh, on your values and, and who you are as a person. Wh whatever, that, whatever that looked like, the, the, the atmosphere you grew up in made an impact. Uh, I was uh, up in Michigan, uh, to, I dropped Cheryl and the kids off to, to see her dad for a little while. And I had to do some stuff for my dad, some business and um, Cheryl and the kids and I went about an hour and a half west to my hometown. And uh, I did something that I know my kids don't enjoy, but I enjoy it, so we do it. And I took them to the house I grew up in, and we drove by it. And they're like, ah, you know, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of nowhere. Sam knows it. Lila doesn't know it yet, but Sam knows it, and he knows we're going to drive for a while. I, I, I want to, you know, go see the house I grew up. No, we don't, you know, anything but that, you know, let's just get ice cream, whatever. No, we're going to do it. So... We drive out there, and every time I make my kids do it, it is a reminder to me of the values that were infused to me in that house uh, and, and, and the parents that, that raised me and the community that I grew up in, not just my parents, but my grandparents and my church family and how fortunate I was to have the people in my life. And here's John's point. We live in God's house. 
And so that, that's, when we live in God, it comes with certain things. First of all, when, when you live in God's house, there are rules. Uh, and Jesus uh, makes this really clear. He says, really, you want to know about the rules in God's house? There's really two. If you wanna, really want to just boil it down, there's really two rules. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor like you love yourself. Two rules, do that, and you'll be good, right? And I think the knee-jerk reaction when we hear that is sometimes to say, you can't command me how to feel. You can't command me to love someone. You can't command my feelings. And I think that is a, a kind of knee-jerk misunderstanding of what the New Testament says about love. That love is not a feeling of the heart. Love uh, is an exercise of the will. That's all, that's all, when the Bible talks about love, that's what it's talking about, is it is choosing to love. It is choosing to do the right thing. It is choosing to do the loving thing. The most famous love verse in the Bible is, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It is an exercise of the will. So John would say, I'm not commanding you to feel something. I'm commanding you to do something. I'm commanding you to, to demonstrate and show love uh, to the people around you. There are rules. Um, there's a presence Every dad brings a certain presence to the house. Um, my dad's presence was he got up super early to go to work. And so I remember my dad would come home and uh, almost every day he took a nap. And so when dad, when dad, because he woke up so early to go to work, whenever my dad came home, the presence was kids, you leave the house. It's raining outside. No, leave the house. Now we had a small house. Dad's going to take a nap, go outside in the thunderstorm and be quiet, right? Um, I just very slightly. Um, but it's like that, that, that was the presence is you're, you're just going to be quiet while dad uh, sleeps. And, and maybe as you think about your dad or you think about yourself as a dad, you think about the presence that maybe you bring that when you get home, it's playtime. Or you get home and it's dinner time. Or you get home and it's TV time. Uh, you, get, you bring a presence. And one of John's favorite ways to describe God is this way. God is love. That's why he says to live in God is to live in love because this is the overwhelming presence that God brings into the home when we live with him. He brings a spirit of love. He brings, he, he brings that in spades. And so it can't help but change you and transform you when you live in that house, a house where every day um, dad comes home and he's bringing love. Every day he comes home and he's bringing love. It can't help but change you and transform you and make you a more loving person. The last thing he says is, in God's house, there's a spirit, right? So there's a presence, there's commands, there's rules, and there's a spirit. And when you live in God's house, one of the defining characteristics of, of you and me is that we have the Holy Spirit, who we've already talked about, who's changing and transforming us into the likeness of Jesus. But this is why John said, I'm gonna put this on the screen for you. John will say later in this text, real simple line, but it's the mission statement for every believer. In this world, we are like Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, put that on a post-it note and put it at your computer, put it in your car, put it in your purse, put it in your wallet, put it wherever you can see it. This is a great mission statement. In this world, we are like Jesus. And so when you go to have a Facebook war with somebody before you, before you, you type anything, in this world, we are like Jesus. 
When you go visit some family over the summer and, and your family kind of drives you nuts, before you go, just look at that little post-it note. In this world, I am like Jesus. When you go to the grocery store, I'll tell you what happened to me this week. I'm writing this sermon. All right, and I'll, I'll go ahead and confess to you real quick. I'm writing this sermon. I go to Walmart to pick up. Cheryl was gone with the kids, and I just went to the grocery store every day to get what I needed for the day because that's what men do because um, I can't think ahead. And uh, so I, I'm at the grocery store, and I'm, I'm going to go to Walmart, and I, I park down by the home area and not knowing that they've locked those doors. And so I go down there, and I have my mask on, and I go, and I realize the door's locked. And I say, okay, so I see where everybody's going in down there. I have my mask on. Uh, that day in Decatur, it happened to be 120 degrees. Um, and so I have the mask on. I go down there. I'm getting ready to enter the store. And this guy stops and says, sir, you need to follow the line. You need to get in line. There was, I didn't even see the line. You need to get in line, and you need to go in. And immediately, my blood boiled. I said, are you kidding me? And he said, sir, I'm not kidding you. This is, what, this is what you have to do. And immediately I remembered this text. In this world, I am like Jesus. And I was convicted. And I was ashamed. I honestly was ashamed. And immediately I turned to the guy and said, hey, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm really sorry. Now, now, Jesus wouldn't have had to say he was sorry because Jesus never would have done that. Um, but I, I'm a human. Jesus would have been like, oh, I got to get in line. All right, that's cool. Um, or he just would have gone to the parking lot and, you know, you used a dozen loaves of bread and just fed everybody. So um, one of the two, I don't know what he would have done, but in this world, I am like Jesus. And it is in the, in the middle of it, and because everybody's just right there. I wanted to confess that this morning because I think everybody's just right there right now. We are looking to get ticked off. We are looking to get angry. And we just need to have this reminder with us wherever we go. In this world, I am like Jesus. Would Jesus mouth off to the poor guy at Walmart? Right? Would Jesus mouth off to the, to, the, to the guy on Facebook or Twitter or whatever? What, what, what would, how would Jesus behave and how would Jesus treat them? And I, I really want to have this as a mission statement wherever I can see it, wherever it's going to um, be uh, right in my line of sight to remind me of my mission and my purpose. Because I live in his house. I've been overwhelmed by his love. I know you have too. been overwhelmed by his love for me and his kindness to my family and the way that he has forgiven my sins when I screw up day after day after day. How can I not treat people the way he has treated me? That's the whole point of John, is why do we love others? Because he's loved us, and that's enough. But why? Because he's loved us. Why? No, no stop asking why, and just love. Right? Love others the way you have been loved. And I love what John kind of ends with. He says, and here's what's gonna happen. This perfect love casts out fear. He's talking about the judgment the, when Jesus returns and judges. He's talking about that. If you're in the house and you've got the spirit and you've experienced his love, really the final judgment really shouldn't scare you at all because you have confidence in God's love. On that day, you're like, I don't know, you know, anyone that reads the book of Revelation, we did a series on it a few years ago. I was like, I know exactly how it's going to end. Don't listen to them. They don't. Right? They, they don't, because nobody knows exactly how it's going to end. Revelation is super confusing. Um, and John wrote it too. We're going to be in it next week. But um, it, it is about having a confidence. I don't know how it's going to work out, but the thing I have confidence in is not in the how. The confidence I have is the who. The, the confidence of the love of the Savior, of the love of Jesus. So he says, this, this love will cast out any fear that you have. Now, if you'd allow me to, 
I would like to, if you would give me a little license, I'd like to expand our application of this verse beyond the judgment just a little bit. Because when it comes to having confidence in God and his love, I would like to see all believers of Jesus have a confidence in his love, not just when it comes to the day of judgment, but right now. That when you understand his love for you, when you understand how much he loves you, that Jesus gave up his life for your, so, so that you could have the relationship with God you were created to have. I just want to have that instill in you a confidence in him and in his love for you, a confidence in his love for you during a pandemic. When all of us aren't sure what's going to happen in the future, have confidence in his love. During a tough economy, when the economy's going sideways, I would have confidence in his love. During racial discord, when no one knows really knows what to say or know what to do, I want to have confidence in his love. During generational and social disagreements, I want you to have confidence in God and I want you to have confidence in his love. And when you have con- perfect love, casts out fear. And this has overwhelmingly been my prayer for you. All during this pandemic and for the last four months, it's been my prayer for me and my family as well, that we would experience and have confidence in his love and that confidence in how much he loves us and how much he's in control, it would cast out every fear that we have because I'm here to tell you the opposite's also true. Fear has a way of casting out perfect love. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear has a way of casting out perfect love. It can make, fear can make us self-focused, self-absorbed. It can make life all about us. And today, I I think it describes kind of where our world is right now, that the reason we're all up here is because we're all afraid. And we we don't know what's coming next, and we're frustrated, and we're afraid, and we're taking it out on each other. Today, I just want you to, if I can use this phrase, I want you to bask in his love, have confidence in it, and allow that love to cast out all your fears. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his love. And I just want to pray right now that as you're transmitting your your love to us, as you've demonstrated your love for us, that we would repeat it again and again and again. We would repeat it and it would cast out all our fears and all our anxieties because we know you love us and we know you have a plan and a purpose. We know you're in control. So right now, as we're getting ready to enter into communion, can we just experience your love and allow the fear to drain out of our bodies, out of our hearts, and out of our minds. We thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Here's the full text from 1 John. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. 
This is how love is made complete among us, that that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Just as you receive communion today, just enjoy his love for a few minutes here. It's the last thing we're gonna do. After you've received it, it's under your chair. After you've received it, you're, you're free to leave today. Just enjoy his love and enjoy it and see if that doesn't settle your heart and, and your mind. Allow it to be transmitted. Allow him to give it to you. Um, allow it to be demonstrated. Allow it, uh, your nature as someone who's called to love, allow your nature to come out, but also allow him, uh, uh, spend some time in relationship and nurture the relationship right now uh, and, and see if he doesn't bring love uh, increase love to your heart and to your mind. So um, thank you for being here. Um, receive communion whenever you're ready. Enjoy his love and allow his perfect love to cast out fear.